This is Indianapolis coach, Reggie Wayne, and you're listening to the For the Culture podcast. This is the For the Culture podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. With the 122nd pick in the fourth round of the 2020 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Jacob Eason, quarterback, Washington, prototypically fits the bill of a pro-style quarterback, six foot six, 231 pounds, ran a 4.89.40 at the Combine, has a very interesting backstory how he got to this point. Coming out of high school, he was a five-star quarterback, the number one pro-style quarterback in the class of 2015, committed to the University of Georgia where he started 13 games as a true freshman before suffering a knee injury in September of his sophomore season where quarterback Jake Fromm took over and eventually ended up winning the starting job forcing Jacob to transfer to the University of Washington where he had to sit out the entire 2018 season after transferring before becoming the starter in 2019 where he started all 13 games, had a 64% completion percentage, threw for over 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns to 8 interceptions with a 143.9 passer efficiency rating. So a very solid junior season at Washington after a crazy journey to get to that point coming out of high school as highly regarded of a prospect as he was, going to Georgia, getting injured his second season, having Jake Fromm take over, and now getting drafted by the Indianapolis Colts 122nd overall in the fourth round while Jake Fromm is still on the board. Going into today, to be honest with you guys, I did not think Chris Ballard was feeling this quarterback class. I thought he looked at the remaining prospects as quote-unquote career backups, and if he took a quarterback in the sixth or seventh round, I would assume, okay, he's taking this guy as a career backup. We're going to move on from Jacoby. We're going to cut him. We're going to trade him. We're going to get rid of Jacoby. And this sixth or seventh round quarterback will be our backup quarterback who we will develop and will groom him to be the best backup he could be. But he won't be in the future plans as a franchise guy. Now you get a quarterback in Jacob Eason in the fourth round who has first-round traits and fell due to his lack of experience over the last couple of years, only playing in three games in 17 and 18 combined before becoming the starter in 2019. You get a guy with the prototypical size, the NFL arm. He has the full package, and he fell to you in the fourth round where the reward totally outweighs the risk. He could be an absolute bust, but a bust in the fourth round, a bust in the second round are two totally different busts. You look at Christian Hackenberg with the Jets a few years ago. They took him in the second round, arguably the worst pick in New York Jets franchise history. If they took him in the fourth round, it would have still been a terrible pick, but it wouldn't have been as historically bad had it come in the fourth round. And I think Eason is a much, much, much better prospect than Hackenberg. I was just using a recent example from another team who totally whiffed on a second rounder because whiffing on a second rounder and whiffing on a fourth rounder are much different. And if we took Eason with the 34th overall pick or the 41st overall pick yesterday, the pressure on hitting on that quarterback would have been a lot different than hitting on him at 122. It's a better spot to take a risk in the fourth round. And I really like this pick. I like the upside of this pick, and I love the situation he's coming into, where you have Phillip Rivers, who's sixth all-time in passing yards, sixth all-time in passing touchdowns, one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation to sit behind, learn behind, because if one of the biggest knocks on Jacob Eason is his lack of experience, well, now you get to sit behind Phillip Rivers. We're not throwing him into the fire like some of these first-round quarterbacks are getting thrown into. And granted, those first-round quarterbacks who are taken in the top 10, they should get thrown into the fire because they're being drafted that early. They're on those rookie contracts, and those teams don't have to pay their quarterback, but they're drafting blue-chip quarterbacks first overall or fifth overall or sixth overall. And then you have Jordan Love, 
who gets to sit in Green Bay behind Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is not the ideal quarterback to sit behind. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a great quarterback, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. But he wanted receivers. He wanted weapons. And he's 36 years old. He wants to win a second Super Bowl. He does not want to be babysitting Jordan Love over the next few seasons while Green Bay is getting ready to kick Aaron Rodgers out the door the way they did Brett Favre, who wasn't the greatest mentor to Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure Rodgers learned a lot by watching Favre, but Favre was not hands-on with Rodgers, and he was not happy about that pick in the first round of the 2005 NFL Draft. With Phillip Rivers, he's 38, he'll be 39 at the end of the season. He knows he's not the long-term answer in Indianapolis, or he knows he won't be here beyond two years. He's on a one-year deal. He wants another one-year deal in 2021. He knows he will not be here for the next three-plus seasons. Aaron Rodgers expects to be in Green Bay for the next three, four, five years. He expects to be in Green Bay as long as Jordan Love is on a rookie contract. Plus, Rodgers wanted weapons. He wanted receivers. He wanted guys to be able to get the ball to to make plays. We gave Phillip Rivers a wide receiver with the first pick in the second round, and we gave him a running back with the second pick in the second round. So we gave him two weapons. Then we make a move defensively in the third round, and now we get who I assume Ballard and Reich believe could be groomed into a franchise quarterback in Jacob Eason because he has the raw talent, he has the arm, he has the prototypical size at 6'6", 231. So he has all those unteachable qualities, and who knows, if he went back to Washington and he played a senior season, he could be a top-10 pick next year. But he comes out in 2020, he only played 16 games over the last three seasons, played three in 2017, didn't play in 2018, and then all 13 games last year for Washington in 2019. So I like Jacob Eason a lot as a prospect. Jason's going to get into the positives and negatives with Eason. One negative I wouldn't worry about is his commitment or his leadership, any of those rumors swirling around, because we know Chris Ballard and his scouting department puts such a premium on not only the player he's drafting, but the person he's drafting, and the background checks the Colts have on these kids, and if you watch the With the Next Pick series, they had a military guy meeting with these players, really cracking down on them, so I would be stunned at the most important position on the field, the signal caller, the captain, the quarterback, I would be shocked if Ballard took a quarterback that failed in those areas because 1 through 53, Ballard cares about leadership. He cares about if a guy was a captain in college. He cares about all that stuff. So I would be stunned if Chris Ballard looked the other way on a quarterback, which is probably the most important position to be able to go out there and lead. And although we did not think Chris Ballard would take a quarterback today, Ballard told us earlier this offseason he'd be putting up the smoke screens with the quarterbacks, and he's telling us at the end of the first round, I'm sitting back eating popcorn as the Packers trade up to get Jordan Love, and we thought this entire time Jordan Love was the guy. He went to see him at Utah State. The Colts were following him around at the Senior Bowl. Easton obviously wasn't at the Senior Bowl, and we had all these rumors about Jordan Love kind of like Dave Tobe a couple years ago. Everybody thought the special teams coach from Kansas City was going to be the Colts' next coach. Not only does Ballard not hire him his first opportunity when he gives Josh McDaniels the job, but then he offers Frank Reich the job. So he goes through two coaching searches in a month, and he never offers his good friend Tobe from Kansas City the job. So we have to remember, when we're talking about Chris Ballard, we're talking about a guy who's not going to let information leak. He's going to keep it very private. And he told us, all week, he said, I'm not going to reach for a quarterback. I'm not going to reach for a quarterback. There might not be a quarterback in this draft, blah, blah, blah. 
and Jacob Eason falls to him in the fourth round. The Colts make their move, and they draft what hopefully is the next franchise quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts really couldn't be in a better position with Frank Reich as the head coach and letting him have the time he needs because he's going to need time, and he has the perfect quarterback to sit under and learn from in Phillip Rivers as the Colts take quarterback Jacob Eason with the 122nd pick in the fourth round of the 2020 NFL Draft. I think this is a good value pick. I had Easton in my top five quarterbacks, and I, I think this is a solid pick. This is another polarizing prospect for a lot of people, but he definitely has NFL qualities about him, and that begins with his arm. He has the strongest arm in this draft. I wouldn't argue that with anybody. Prototypical drop-back passer, has good size, 6'6", so he can see over the line with elite arm strength and great velocity. So he can play in any kind of weather. That arm plays well anywhere as far as, you know, being able to play through snow, rain, even wind. He was productive in two different schemes and adjusted and was able to be successful. So this guy definitely has the football IQ to adjust to whatever offense you're in. He's got the physical talent to adjust to whatever offense you're in. So I think Frank Reich saw that ability to process information and be you know, whatever that team needed in that offense, and he liked that. So definitely a positive for him that he was able to play so well in two different schemes at two different schools. As I said, he's got a cannon for an arm, and he's probably got the strongest arm in the draft. can throw it 65 yards with ease, and arm won't be bothered by weather conditions, like I said before. Manipulates defenses with his eyes, feet, and arm and processes quickly on high-low reads. So he's very quick at his processing and will make decisions quick. He doesn't tend to hold it. He's kind of the anti-Jacoby. Will stand tall in the pocket, deliver the ball, so it doesn't matter if there's a lot of traffic in there. He'll stand in there. If he's going to get hit, he'll stand in there. He's a, you know, he's one of those guys that you know he'll stare down the gun barrel and make that throw, which is not an easy thing for anyone to do when you know you're going to take a hit from a 300-pound lineman. So that's a positive for him. He was a five-star recruit out of high school, so he's always kind of been high. He's always been highly thought of, and he's always been in the in in kind of the the eye, the public eye, whatever you want to call it. Gets rid of the ball with urgency, rarely throws late. Like I said, that's a great quality to have. Gets rid of. He's got a great velocity, great arm. Gets rid of the ball quickly, processes quickly, rarely throws late, which is the anti-Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby threw late all the time. This guy throws early and precise and he will put the ball in your in your receiver's hands so they can make plays quickly because that's what you have to do on those quick throws you have to get the ball in their hands as fast as you can so they can do what they can do and not let the db adjust so he's really good at at getting rid of the ball and getting it in the playmaker's hands really good at the play action game you know a little bit of athletic ability so he can move around back there and, he, and he's definitely got a good play action fake and he's got the arm to, I mean, he can throw it anywhere. So that that's the, I mean, his arm is the definitely the, the best part about his game. It's an elite trait not many people have, and you can make a lot of throws. All, he can make all the throws. I mean, all of them. So highly confident in his ability. Will throw into tight windows. He's got impressive touch and placement for a strong arm quarterback. I remember when Elway came out, one of the biggest problems he had was he tried to throw everything 100 miles an hour. There was no, like in 80, I think it was 83, 84, he really struggled with with learning how the nuances to throws. Like he he really had a hard time throwing with touch and, and dump offs and short yard, you know, things that were short, not long passes. 
he really had an issue with that. This kid doesn't have that too much. I think he's got an understanding of when to take a little off. And I'm not saying he's going to be John Elway. I'm just saying that was an issue John Elway had where he would, you know, try to throw everything. It was just, you know, he's like throwing it through a brick wall. So he's got that going for him. There's a lot to like about this kid. Now, some of the things that I think he needs to improve on, he absolutely needs to put on probably 10 to 15 pounds of muscle on his frame because he's going to take a beating in the NFL. Well, hopefully not too much of a beating, but he's going to get hit. So you need to definitely put some weight on. As good as his arm is, he's overly confident in it, and he will make some poor decisions because of it, whether that's under pressure or not. He he will absolutely – he has no problem trying to force a ball into a window that's almost non-existent, and that, that has been a problem for him. And it's something that he's going to be – he's definitely going to have to be coached on because he threw some picks and forced some balls because of that elite arm that you just can't make and you can't throw in the NFL. So that's something he's going to have to work on. He certainly has trouble when he's under pressure. He does not pick through the pocket very well when being pressured. He doesn't have a good feel for the pocket at all. You know, he doesn't climb it that well. He doesn't, you know, mitigate the traffic well. So when there's a lot going on back there, he he tends to make bad decisions. So it's incumbent upon our O-line to keep our pocket clean when he's in there because if you don't, he will make bad decisions. He'll double clutch the football, and he has a bad habit of lobbing the ball off his back foot, which leads to interceptions because you're lobbing the ball. It allows the DB to close and make a play. He has a real bad habit of that, uh, but I do think that can be coached out of him. Uh, not much experience. He's he's still raw. I mean, he's got a lot of upside. This kid. He hasn't. I mean, he hasn't even touched the surface of what I think he could be. For me, he's kind of an all-or-nothing type of player. I think he's either going to be really, really good or he's going to be real bad. I don't think there's any any middle with this guy. One other thing, he, he lacks pocket awareness, which I mentioned before, and he has a horrible internal clock. So those are more instinctual things that I don't know can be coached out of him. But he's going to have to learn how to you know judge the time better that he's got feel the pressure, which some guys have it, some guys don't. I mean, Andrew Luck was amazing at that. This guy's not good at it. He just doesn't have very good pocket awareness. He doesn't feel blitzes. He's, you know, and that can lead to big-time problems because, you know, you get a blitz off the corner, he doesn't feel it or see it. Fumble picked up for six points. Could happen very easily. So the, some of these things are, are, I'm not sure he can be coached out of because it's just you have it or you don't. I mean, he can be... You can be coached on it, but I don't know how much of it's going to change. Stares down his wide receivers too much. That's a, a bad habit he has. But I think a lot of these things, some of these things can be coached out of him. I think the staring down wide receivers can be coached out of him. Uh, you know, I think he's got a lot of the qualities you want. There, There's just, you know, there's some things that, that kind of scare me about him. Like I said, the pocket awareness thing is, is, is an issue. Too reliant on arm will make bad decisions. Because of it. So, you know, when you have big time arm, you, like I said earlier, you try to fit it in windows that you probably shouldn't. He's going to have to learn in the NFL that, you know, I don't care how strong your arm is. These these guys are so fast. You know, you, you can't make some of these throws he's trying to make because not only is it going to be an incomplete pass, it's going to be an intercepted pass. So definitely needs to make better decisions and, you know, not be so reliant on his arm and maybe use his feet to get outside and open the windows up, allow the receivers to do more. 
And then another thing that I, that was talked about, I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard stuff about this. His commitment and leadership was questioned going back to high school by multiple scouts. So that's not good. Now, obviously, Chris Ballard and his staff, Frank Reich, all those guys have vetted this guy. So this one, I I don't really think is that big of a deal because if they've truly believed this guy had leadership issues or commitment issues, Chris Ballard's not taking them because one of his core traits is a guy that eats, drinks, and sleeps football. That football is his commitment. Football is his life, you know, aside from, from religion and, and family. And so if that was the case, I don't see Chris Bauer drafting this guy. So that, that rumor that I heard is just that a rumor. I don't, I don't necessarily buy it because Chris Ballard would not risk this franchise on a guy that lacks commitment. So that's just something I wanted to put out there that I heard, but it's not, you know, it, it, I don't think it's an issue because obviously again, Chris Bauer, they do their due diligence on all these guys. They talk to all the, the coaches, they talk to all the teammates, they talk to all the, you know, the high school coaches and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, this is just something that I heard, but I don't think it's going to be an issue. So very polarizing guy. He's got all the traits that you want in a quarterback to be a good NFL or even great NFL quarterback. I mean, you can't teach arm strength, size, that kind of stuff you can't teach. He's got all that stuff. You put him with a guy like Frank Reich, I think it's the right coach for this player. And I think in the end, this guy is going to end up starting for us down the line. So as far as me personally, I wasn't a huge fan of Eason, but I understand the pick. You need, you know, you, you need a quarterback, you're in the fourth round, and you get a guy that's got all these these traits that not everyone has. Those are the traits that set you apart, the ones that we're talking about. So if they can coach this guy up, they might have their quarterback for the next 10 years. The question is, guys, what happens to Jacoby Brissett? Do we trade him? Do we release him? I don't think there's any way you keep him on the roster because you cannot, in my opinion, carry three quarterbacks on a 53-man roster for an entire season. Every you know, every every spot on that roster is just too important. So now the next question is what happens to Jacoby Reset. But a good start to day three for Chris Ballard. Hit a position of need, got an extremely talented guy. And hey, we got our quarterback of the future. Let's see what happens. Let's see what Frank Reich can do with him. I'm confident. Frank Reich will get the most out of him. So I'll talk to you guys again soon. Great start to day three.